0: Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is Our Chosen Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm going to begin with something. Let's make a decree today. We're going to once again decree our health because there's power in your decree. The Bible says, I I like the way the Passion uh, does, uh, translates Psalm 8110. It says, open your mouth with a mighty decree. I will do it now. You will see the words that you speak. So shall it be. So let's make sure we speak life, okay? So if you'll look at the screen and say this with me and say it in faith, not in vain repetition, not in rote, but say it in faith. Today, I decree that I live and walk in all the healing promises of God in the Bible. I will not allow these promises to be stolen from me through fear and unbelief. I rebuke and reject all sickness and disease. I command every sickness, pain, and disease to leave my body now in the name of Jesus I command my body to function in perfect health the way the Lord created it to function. I speak life over my mind and body. I declare that my organs, my bones, muscles, blood, and immune systems all operate correctly. I decree that I shall live long, strong, and in health on this earth. In the name of Jesus, I decree that healing is mine today and every day. Amen. 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 That's something you can um, do live stream or you can do the podcast. Write it down. Speak it. I speak it over my family every single day. The book of Job says you will decree a thing and it will be established and light will shine on your way. So what you decree is what you will be. You walk around going, oh, this is going around. Well, guess what? It's going to go around you. Oh, I'm just getting old. It's a senior moment. You'll never hear me say that. What you will hear me say is that I will be young until the day I die at a very old age. And I think I may have told you, I don't know if I told you or not, but Candy gave me a gift for Christmas. It was so awesome. It was a crystal clock. And it says, I will be young until the day I die at a very old age. It's engraved. It's on the night table. Keep it before your eyes. Proverbs 4, 20, 20 through 22 gives you God's prescription for health. Attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all their flesh. So I want to begin today as we are studying journey into our authority, power, and dominion. Today we're going to talk about the test of true power. I, several months ago, was actually looking for a translation online that I wanted to order. It was the, actually the Weymouth translation. But I couldn't rem- remember what it was called. I just knew it started with the W. And so I ended up with this Kenneth S. Wiest translation of the New Testament, which, if you study it, is supposedly a very literal translation of the Greek. And so I got it, read some of it, and, you know, I thought it was fine. Well, I have so many books, I could open a library, literally. And, you know, you can take it to those bookstores. I don't know about you, but I've taken boxes and boxes. Because, I mean, you can, how many times can you read certain things? There are certain books. I keep all my books on the blood. Um, certain books I will always keep. But then after I finish them, I'll either share them or, you know, give them away. And But, you know, if you go to those bookstores, they'll give you $10 for $1,000 worth of books. And it's just not worth it. I'd rather sew it into someone, you know, that that will benefit. And so, but anyway, so I was going through books the other day, again, and when I die, I don't want my kids to be mad at me because I left them, you know, with a bunch of stuff. I've heard a lot of people, and maybe some of you can testify to this, that they go through, you know, after their parents depart. And I've had people call me and say, I am so mad at my mother because there was so much stuff. And I don't want my kids to say that, so I'm going to leave notes and all my stuff. Have fun. But anyway, so I, I picked up this, and I thought, you know, I don't really read this. I read it a little bit when I first got it, but I'm going to give it away. Well, I changed my mind really quickly because I'm telling you something happened. It opened, you know, it was the proverbial, and it just opened. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, 12, we'll talk about that today, that the Word of God is alive. And so, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if this book walked. But I it opened to Matthew 9, and it's the woman with the issue of blood. You all know the story. We've talked about it many times. She is my favorite woman in the Bible, and I love it. I've told you this before. I love it. When women in the Bible are unnamed, you know why? Because it's me. If she doesn't have a name, it's my name. So I always put my name with the woman with the issue. So it opened, the living word opened to this passage. And when I read it, my heart leapt. And this morning the Lord spoke to me and he said, this living word is for some of these women. I'm going to read it to you and you can have it if you take it. You can have it if you receive it. And now the problem with this is it's Roman numerals and the verses are in passage groups. So, I'll try to hit the mark. I think this is I think this is 9 Matthew 9:22. 9, And she said within herself. So she's thinking this. If I only touch his garment, I shall be made whole. Now let me help you. Jesus has already died on the cross, was buried, raised, and ascended. The sacrifice is complete. The work is finished. To tell us die, a legal term, it is finished. That was a legal term. The debt is paid. We don't have to pay it. It's completed. She didn't have that yet. So don't tell me, well, this was just, I hate it when people erroneously preach. All the healings were just so he could prove his deity. Do me a favor. Rip out Hebrews 13, 8 in your Bible Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, and forever. What right do you have to edit the book or to change the Word of God? He said, "I change not." In Matthew eight seventeen, He healed them all, and it says, "And this was done to fulfill." What Isaiah the prophet prophesied in Isaiah 53 himself bore our weakness, sickness, and disease and carried it away. He said, I fulfilled it, it's done. But we have to appropriate it, we have to receive it, we have to be aggressive. When we start talking about the kingdom, you're going to see you have to be violent, you have to seize the kingdom. It's not just going to float like a butterfly. And maybe if you get your net, you can grab it. No, you have to be a violent woman, a violent gentleman. And so this woman was like that. She was violent. And My name's in here. And here's your word. And Jesus, having turned around and having seen her, said, are you ready? If this doesn't excite you, nothing will. You might as well just go ahead and go out the back door. Cheerful courage, daughter. Be having it constantly. Your faith has saved you and the cure is permanent. No relapse into your former condition. And That woman was healed or restored to health from that hour. I'm going to read it again. Cheerful countenance, daughter. What does that mean? Don't mope around, head hung down. You just don't know how I'm feeling. I have somebody that keeps saying to me, you have no idea how sick I was. Well, what I care about is how you are now. Well, I told you last week in 2020, Randy and I both had COVID at the same time. And yes, we quarantined. Didn't tell a soul. Do you know that we didn't even tell each other? We did not even tell each other until we both lost our taste one day. We were sitting at the table. I said, I can't taste my food. And he started laughing. He said, neither cannot. <laughs> you know why? You know why I didn't tell? That was my faith. I did not want to give the enemy power. Now, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm not telling you to do that. But we were shut down and, you know, there was not an issue. I know not one person got it from me. One, for one reason, I refused to give it. Don't empower darkness by making a continual confession of the works of darkness. Now, that doesn't mean you don't ask for prayer. Don't get religious on me. It doesn't mean you don't go to people that you trust in the faith and you're confident in to pray with you. That's Bible. That's Bible. But for heaven's sake, let's put it on Facebook. If you use social media as to, to say something, use it as a tool as intercession. That's what I've done with my sister in her suffering. I don't go posting every day when we have a specific need. The people stand in the gap for her. That's Bible. But, but please don't wear afflictions from hell as a badge or to get attention. Because believe me, it'll give you all the attention you could ever want. Cheerful courage, daughter. Be having it constantly. Your faith has saved you the cure is permanent. No relapse into your former condition. I think, I'm sorry I get excited about that. So, I did not give this away, nor am I going to. So, to review authority... First of all, you have to take off your beggar's garment because beggars don't have authority. They beg. We have to be like Bartimaeus. I'm going to come to Jesus. Power and authority are in Jesus. I'm going to strip off those victim garments. I refuse to be a victim. I refuse to beg. Exousias conferred power, delegated empowerment. That's the Greek word for authority. And then Jesus said, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall in any way harm you. What do you do? You use your mouth. You speak the word of God. The word of God is a sword of the spirit. And you change your clothes. Be a good idea to begin by putting on the full armor of God. Listen, the Lord cares everything about you. Everything, the, the littlest need. I had the privilege the other day of being part of a, a funeral of a very precious man that departed and went to heaven. And uh, a lot of you know Tomali Sewell, just beautiful people. And and uh, before he died, he he used to come and sit in the back and just smile. And he asked if I would partake in the funeral. And so I did with honor. And I was sitting right over there. I was sitting uh, right where Nick and Verlin are. And they played this song that I had never heard before. You know, I always think that the videos are just so sad, and I think we all ought to do that before we die so that we can watch what's going to happen. I think that would be exciting, don't you, to see your life flashed on the screen? You're still alive to cheer for yourself. I just think that would be super cool. So they played this song, and it just came out in 2022, and I've never heard it before. And it was called No Scars in Heaven, or Scars in Heaven, Scars in Heaven. That was it, by Casting Crowns. And if you've never heard it, get out your tissues. Because it starts, okay, so I'll just cry, just telling you. It starts by, if I had known the last time was the last time, I would have stayed a little bit longer. Doesn't everybody say that when somebody you love departs? If only, if only I could have had one more hug, one more conversation, one more kiss. One more coffee. You know how a few days before my daddy unexpectedly departed, I was having coffee with him. And when I sat down, the Lord said to me, don't look at your watch, enjoy the time. Well, I thought the Lord was just being nice. I had no idea it would be the last time. No idea. But it was. And I'm so glad I obeyed him because I have no regrets. None. He told me the same stories I've heard all my life. I got to hear him all over again with his beautiful southern drawl. I can still hear it today. So I've been almost 10 years. But the last time was the last time. And I'm glad I stayed a little bit longer. So I'm sitting over here, and, and of course this song's playing, and I'm just a mess. I mean, I'm a puddle. And I look down, I'm telling you the honest truth. And there was a tissue box at the very end of that row. And I went, well, if I get up and go get a tissue, because my nose is starting to run. In fact, Tiffany, could you give me one? They're right there. Um, that's what happens when I get Terry. Where, honey? Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so, I didn't want to get up and be disruptive. I just, you know, I just think it's so rude when people are sitting in the front. They're just walking back and forth. And as a speaker, I really get that. And so I just went, well, Lord, I guess I'll use my clothes. (laughs) I mean, I didn't know what to do. And a minute later, this is the honest truth. I just happened to glance to the left of me, and that tissue box was in the seat next to me. And there were not people behind me that could have seen me teary and and done that. And I just sat there and I went, Lord. And I clearly heard him. He said, I want you to know I care about the little things. I want you to know I care about the little things. It was no big deal for my angel to move that tissue box over. But we minimize the power of God and his love for us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, I when I began this and when I started to write this Bible study, I was going to go straight into dunamis because you know that the Greek word for power is dunamis. It's what happened at Pentecost, and we'll talk a lot about that next week. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And isn't it interesting that Jesus said, wait until. What if they had left on day 119? And the Lord spoke to me about that, and he said, a lot of my people don't have power. They don't experience what they're asking for because they leave a day early. They leave a day early. Don't leave a day early. Don't leave a minute early. If the Lord tells you to wait, you better wait. But remember, that word means with divine expectancy. Many of you, I'm speaking by the Spirit of God, you have not inherited your promises because you didn't wait and you forfeited the promise. And I will say, thus says the Lord. You better wait. And so when I began this and I was going to do dunamis, the Lord said, start at the beginning. And the beginning was love. That's what we're going to talk about today. Love is the power of God. You can have all the power, and when we read 1 Corinthians 13, you'll see it. You can have all the power. You can move mountains. You can die a martyr's death. You can give all that you have to feed the poor. But without love, the Bible says you are a useless nobody. Well, you know what? If that were not the Holy Spirit speaking, I would say it's rude. To say, I am a useless nobody. No, 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 no. I am that Syrophoenician woman. Call me a dog, Lord. Call me whatever you want. But show me your glory. Show me your glory. The glory of God is the goodness of God. It's the presence of God. It's the face of God. Every violation of God's word is a love violation. How many of you now tell me the truth? How many of you have ever struggled with a person? Raise your hand if you've ever struggled with a person. Don't worry, I'm not going to say how many of you have ever struggled with your husband. I'm not going to say that. Vita, you just gave yourself away. <laughs> fight the good fight. Every violation of God's word is a love violation, every single violation. And so in the book, I gave you a love test, and I'm going to give you a few examples of it today. Envy violates love. Jealousy violates love. Unforgiveness violates love. Bitterness violates love. Fear violates love. Worry and anxiety violate love. Gossip violates love. Fault finding violates love. Every violation of the word of God is a love violation. That's all there is to it. That's why there's only one commandment, love, the royal law. And I'm not talking about skyrockets on high. I'm talking about agape. It's not a feeling. It's an action. It's an active verb. So just like to have authority, you have to put on new garments. You have to strip off the beggar's garment, the victim garment, and you have to put on a garment of authority, starting with the, with the, uh, the um, armor of God. But love is also a garment change. You have to strip off every violation of love. So let's look again at Colossians 3.12. You're going to see how this is power. And then next week we'll actually talk about and ask the Lord to enforce dunamis dynamite. But I never, before this moment, it never even occurred to me until I said it, that we forfeit the promise of God because we leave a day late, a minute late. He said, wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And I don't know about you, but I pray, oh Lord, I just ask for a fresh baptism of your spirit today. Because, see, we always want to live in the old and the past experiences. But the Bible says His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. We should ask for a fresh infilling. Jesus said he who is clean needs only to wash his feet. We pick up dust along the road of life. We pick up discouragement. We pick up the, God forbid the news. I rarely watch the news. You know why? It violates love in me. Colossians 3.12, clothe yourselves therefore as God's own chosen ones, his own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God by putting on behavior marked by compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. You know what? First thing love is, is patience. How many of you, if I said, is your, how many, if I said, what is your favorite word, how many of you would raise your hand and say patience? I bet you wouldn't. <laughs> My husband always says, I never pray for patience because tribulation works patience. And I go, well, you know what? Patience is a fruit of the Spirit, honey. You're going to have to develop it whether you pray for it or not. Be gentle and forbearing with one another. And if you have a, a difference or grievance or a complaint against another, readily parting each other, even as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Here you go. And above all these things that I just listed, put on love and fold yourself. With the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love and make it your aim and your great quest. That should be our aim. Years, decades and decades and decades ago, I was driving on 410. This is even before 1604 existed. I think back in those days we had 410 and I10. And I was listening to Joyce Meyer, and she said these words, every single one of you ought to take a year off of whatever you're doing and just study the love walk. And I turned off the CD, and I said, or no, it wasn't even a CD. It was one of those other things, the cassettes, cassettes, which I actually prefer, but I won't go into that. And so I said, Lord, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And some of you remember. That's exactly what I did. For one year, I didn't study anything but love, didn't teach anything but love for one solid year. And since then, I've done it many other times. You know why? Because I keep having to remind myself why. I read the story one of my mentors. He was teaching his young son, I think his son was 10 or 11, around that age, to safely handle firearms. So he was taking him out into the country to a safe place. And they passed a barn and it had a huge tarantula crawling up the side. And the little boy lifted up that firearm to blast that tarantula. And the dad said, son, you'll blow off the side of the barn. You have to learn to use this power. You cannot handle correctly the power of God unless you have conquered on a daily basis the love walk because you'll use it to hurt people and not help them. And sadly, we see that all over, all the time. People with a platform that bring disgrace to the integrity of the ministry. Oh yeah, they may have power. But without love, God says you're useless. So we're going to start out with love. 1 John 4, 8, he who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is love. Love is somebody. It's not about somebody. It is somebody. So let's read about what love is. The power is here. And we're going to look at the book. and, And I gave you a love test in this book. And we're just going to go through it and just see if anything in there convicts you. I did it again this morning. And, um, yeah. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never, say never, women, never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy, I want to say one thing about that. I heard somebody say one time many years ago, I've never forgotten it. Jealousy is wanting what somebody else has. Envy is not even wanting them to have it. Jealousy and envy are evil twins. If you have an ounce of it in in your heart, fall on your face before the Lord and receive cleansing by the blood and refuse to walk in it. And learn to rejoice when other people are blessed, even if you're not. I like what Cindy Godwin says. I'm in the same line. And I found out recently, I'm not going to name names, but some very well-known people that you would think have it all together that are immersed in drugs. Even, and I won't name names, although it was all over the news, a very famous actor and woman, I guess she was also an actor, that sued one another. And I didn't watch any of the trial. I know some of you did. But people were telling me they were just immersed talking about all the drug parties. So, you know, it just could be that the things you're jealous of and that you envy, you don't really want in your life. Love is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and it does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness. It rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. So let's take the love test. Are you consistently patient, long-suffering with others, especially those whom you live with? Now, I have someone in my life, not in my immediate family, but in my life, who always says I'm not happy if I'm not complaining. Well, the scary part about that is 1 Corinthians 10.10 says that the children of Israel were destroyed by the destroyer because they complained. And so I was saying, well, I don't complain. And my granddaughter was with me. And I said, do I complain? What would you say, Abigail? Yeah. She's 20. So are you saying I complain, Vita? So based on love, I went before the Lord. And I looked up the definition of complaining. Now, this is where all of us repent. An expression of dissatisfaction or annoyance. I cannot tell you how many times I say that just annoys me. Right? Am I alone? Or an expression of dissatisfaction. Now, come on. How many of you have complained, but it's not complaining about gas prices or about how you just went to the grocery store and what you bought last week was doubled this week? Complaining, an expression of dissatisfaction or annoyance. So I just put that under the blood. I'll watch my tongue. And so instead of, I can't believe Gas is almost $5 a gallon. I'm going to say, Lord, thank you that I have the money to put it in my tank. Thank you, Lord. When, I was, when Randy and I were both in college and we were married already, and I can remember right, right across from Texas A&M in those days, there was a store called Skaggs Albertson. Some of you might remember. I, there might still be Albertsons. I don't know. But at the time, it was Skaggs Albertson. I used to go, and I would put just what we needed in the basket, And before I got to the checkout, I would look at what I could do without and put it back. Because I knew I couldn't spend more than $25 a week on groceries. But now I can put whatever I want in my basket and I don't have to put it back. So I just thank God for that. And if you have to put back things, you just believe God for the day that you won't have to. In Jesus' name. Do you resist the temptation to be jealous or envious of others? I hope so. Do you yield to prideful thoughts of being better than or above others? Oh, my, 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 my. If you feel God is resisting you, you better check your heart for pride because God resists the proud. Are you rude? You know, my children say I do this really ugly thing with my lips when there's something I don't like. Those are just wrinkles, children. I think that's very judgmental. (laughs) Do you act in ways that are unbecoming, such as gossip, temper, outbursts, complaining, or neglecting to show gratitude and graciousness? That's one thing about my daddy. He was the most thankful, grateful person I think I've ever met in my life, and I am not exaggerating. He just had this beautiful Carolina accent. I mean, you could give him a weed flower picked from the garden, and he'd go, Oh, honey. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. I love that kind of gratitude. Are you selfish, self-centered, or self-absorbed? Some years ago, Randy and I were horribly defrauded, horribly defrauded. Out of tens of thousands of dollars. This was decades ago, probably 35 years maybe. And um, when he, I was so angry. I was so, 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 so angry And he just could not console me. Randy just, he immediately forgave, and and he just went forward, but I didn't. He would say, God, God is going to restore it. We have tithers' rights. You have nothing to worry about because God says he will rebuke the devourer for my sake. And we never sow a seed that we don't pray Malachi 3 over that seed. And, you know, if somebody blesses me, I pray Malachi 3 over that seed that God will open the windows of heaven for them and pour out a blessing too great to contain, that he would rebuke the devourer for their sake, that the fruit of their land will not be destroyed, that others will call them blessed, and that they will be a land of delight, says the Lord. You've got to be diligent, diligent. And so, but I, I was just so angry, and I was kneeling by my bed, and I was crying and probably cussing and just pouring my heart out to the Lord. And all of a sudden, the phone rang. This is before caller ID. And a a very dear friend, a woman who was a very dear friend of Pam and mine, was calling me. And she said, Sandy, I hear you're having a hard time. And I said, what? Well, this friend had just found out that her 17-year-old son was an alcoholic. Had no idea. Wasn't he 17, Pam, at the time? And, I mean, he had, she went to to her, she kept a bottle of uh, that green stuff that you make grasshopper or pie with, uh, cream de menthe. Whole bottle was gone. He had drank it. She got out her vanilla. The whole bottle was gone. He had drank anything he could find with alcohol in it. And she was shattered, obviously, as any mother would be. And she said, "I Randy said, you're having a hard time, and I just called to encourage you and pray with you. And I said, how dare him? with all you're going through right now, that he would bother you at a time like this. I'm very dramatic. (laughs) And I mean, I'm pretty sure I was the original drama queen. And she said in a very low subdued voice, she said, Sandy, it has always been my prayer that I would never be so low that I could not reach out for someone else who's suffering. Please let me do this for you. I'll never forget it. It impacted me. It's been my, my motto ever since. Ever since. So you know what I did when I had COVID? I called and prayed for people that had it. I had COVID, I saved Pam's life. I'll never let you forget that. That's what you do. And you're suffering. You reach out to other people that are suffering. You'll get out of it a whole lot faster. Okay, where was I? Uh, Here we go. Self-centered. Do you insist on your way? Are you touchy, fretful, or resentful? Women, come on. Well, it's just that time of the month. So? So you're telling me your hormones have more power than your power of choice? Wait till you're post-menopause like me. Then what are you going to say? Do you keep score of things that people say or do to offend you? Do you secretly gloat at injustice or unrighteous actions? Do you rejoice when others are promoted? Are you ready to believe the best of others? Doesn't mean there is the best, but are you ready to believe it? Do you keep your hopes high even when situations look grim? Do you keep your heart anchored in God and his word? So that trials do not defeat you. The Bible says examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. You must do this. Very often when I take communion, I will take the love test. Beware of love thieves. Because every violation of the word of God is a love violation. Every single one. And it will deprive you of power. Randy and I were uh, two accidents waiting to happen when we got married. We were... We both have angry dads. Remember, my dad wasn't born again. Neither was he. He calls his dad a rageaholic. I never heard him tell this until one night in our marriage group. He told the whole group, and I was like, what? I'm your wife. I didn't know this. His dad was an architect and a construction engineer, Actually, and if you've ever been to the Joe Freeman Coliseum, all those buildings where the stables and all of those things are, he built all of those. He built an entire block off of 410. And, I mean, Of course, this was a long time ago. The city was relatively small. But he, he did a lot of major building in the city at the time. And Randy would work for him during the summers. And Randy would say that his father was so mean to the workers And one day he was chewing out one of the workers and Randy said, Sandy, I had a... No, he told the group. He didn't tell me this. He said, I had a hammer in my hand. And he said, I wanted to hit him with it. And I was so taken aback. But that's what anger does. That's what anger does. So we get married and my expression to anger was to hide and get in fear and anxiety. And his expression was to retaliate. So we both had a lot of baggage. And as the Lord revealed the truth of the word to us, the truth set us free. Glory to God. One day I was in the shower. I was a young woman. I was in my 20s. And I said, Lord, if I only had one request from you, I would ask you for a pure heart. Because I'm so tired of struggling. And I remember the Lord spoke to me that day. He spoke Hebrews 4.12 to me. Power begins with love, and love begins with the Word, because Jesus is the Word. Hebrews 4.12, for the Word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing line of breath of life, soul, and spirit, and of joints and marrow. And it exposes and it sifts and it analyzes and it judges the very thoughts and purposes of your heart. And the Lord said, if you want a pure heart, allow my word to penetrate you. And I've done it ever since. And I've never, ever regretted it. Psalm 62, 11 and 12. God has spoken once and twice I have heard it that power belongs to God. Very often, when Jesus healed, like in Matthew 9:29, the blind men," he touched their eyes, saying, "According to your faith and trust and reliance on the power invested in me." they had to rely on the power invested in love. In Mark 5:30, Jesus recognizing for the woman with the issue, that power had proceeded from him, He said, "Who touched me?" When she touched him, when she touched love, power went out. And we want to see people healed. And we want to see people delivered. And we want to see people prosper and come out of lack. And we want to see this nation change. But are we walking in love? Or are we watching TV and cursing at at the government and the media? Or are we praying for them? I am. I pray, Lord Jesus, I pray for every official that obstinately opposes righteousness, that they will repent and have a heart of love. And for those who want to do righteousness, that they will walk in love. Because power belongs to God and God is love. And if you want power, start at home. If you want power in your marriage, power in your motherhood, you've got to walk in love. Everybody says, oh, it's not about me. Well, let something happen that you don't like. And then you tell me it's not about you. Let a family member hurt, hurt you. And then you tell me it's not about you. I don't believe you. We always make it about us and you know it. But that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want to be. You know why? Because I don't want to lose my power. And next week we're going to really... Focus on. Don't lose your power. And your power is in the love of God. Second Thessalonians 11. With this in view, we constantly pray for you that our God will count you worthy of your calling and with his power, fulfill every desire for goodness and complete your every work of faith. And this is the scripture you all know well. 2 Timothy seven. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, dunamis, love, and a sound mind. That Greek word dunamis is very, 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 very easy to remember. It means miraculous power, might, and strength. We're all believing for miracles. All the prophets are saying it's a season of miracles. The miracles are imminent. The miracles are happening. The miracles are here. The creative miracles, the parts of your body that are broken down, repaired, suddenly. In an instant, pretty soon Rick will be preaching on suddenlies. It's one of my favorite messages. The suddenlies for miracles, the time is now, but we will not see them without love. Because the motive cannot be to show what a star I am, what a powerful woman I am. I don't care a lick about that. What I do care about is that my heart's right. I'm going to read you a story and then we'll close. I always viewed the Lord, the Father, Father God, our Father who art in heaven. I always viewed him as a Pharaoh because of my background. And you know, when you see God through the lens of a Pharaoh, the harsh taskmaster, like the the guy that had the ten talents, uh, uh, ten, five, and one, the guy with one talent said, I knew you were a hard taskmaster, reaping where you didn't sow. That's not who the Father is. God is love. When he revealed himself to Moses, he said, I'm a God of compassion, loving kindness, mercy. But forgiveness begins with love. And so I've kind of told this story a little bit in the past, but I actually found it. And I want to read the accurate story to you. This is from The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. And I just want you to hear what love does, because this is power. This is power. You can just remember again, you can give your body to be burned. You can be the most anointed missionary, the most anointed martyr, the most anointed giver. You can give all your wealth away. You can prophesy with such eloquence and dignity and accuracy without love as your motive and your driving force. You're nobody. I'm nobody. Sometimes people will say, Sandy, you're my favorite teacher. Without love, I am not God's favorite. But with love, we are all God's favorite. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947. I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear of that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I'd like to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I would say God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There was never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence, in silence collected their wraps, and in silence they left the room. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visor cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, the huge room with its harsh overload lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister Betsy's frail form ahead of me, her ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during Nazi occupation in Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, his hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein, he said. How good it is to know that, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for all the cruel things that I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day been forgiven but i could not betsy had died in that place could he erase her slow terrible death simply for asking me it could not have been many seconds that he stood there handheld out but to me it seemed like hours as i wrestled with the most difficult thing i ever had to do for i had to do it i knew that the message that god forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you yours. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives no matter what the physical scars. And those who nursed bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion, and I knew that. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly and mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder. It raced down my arm. It sprang into our joined hands, and the healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all of my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And having thus learned to forgive in this hardest of situations, I never again had difficulty in forgiving. (laughs) I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that merciful and charitable thoughts just naturally flowed from me from then on, but they didn't. If there's one thing I learned at 80 years of age, it's that I can't store up good feelings and behavior, but only draw them fresh from God every day. Maybe I'm glad it's that way, for every time I go to him, he teaches me something else. And then she tells other stories, which I'm not going to take time to read because I'm going to do something that I believe... um, is obedience to God. Love is security, and security is power. Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, 16 through 21, that we would be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power, and that we would be rooted and grounded in love and have the power to grasp and apprehend the length and height and depth and breadth of that love. And so there's no preparation for this, but Vita, can I get you to come to the mic? I, she didn't know I was going to do this. I didn't know I was going to do this. This is a lady that's had to forgive. Her beautiful, anointed, phenomenal daughter was killed in a head-on collision by someone very high on methamphetamines who crashed into her headlong. No excuse. She was at a stoplight, wasn't she, Vita? She was at a stoplight. Who gets hit at a stoplight head-on? The woman was going 90 miles an hour. And Ingrid went to be with the Lord that day. So Vita, tell us the process of forgiveness that you went
1: through. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Only you, God. Only. Uh, My process of forgiveness. Did you have to forgive her? You know, I um, I never thought about... How it happened, it was that it happened. Yeah. And um, forgiveness, I really can't say that I struggled with that. Uh, because I felt kind of sorry for the lady. Uh, who and she was, died too. She, said, yes, she died too. Who mm-hmm. was on drugs, not only on drugs, but had her, her little puppy mm-hmm. with her in the car. In mm-hmm. And um, hit them head on as Ingrid and three of my grandchildren mm-hmm. were in the car. And I just kind of, because I'm thinking about where we spend eternity, my thought went to, I pray that her life was right because hell is not a place mm-hmm. that any of us want to go. Mm-mm. And so I knew that even though Ingrid left as early as she did, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I knew that absent from the body is present with the Amen. Lord. So that's where my process was at mm-hmm. was with me being natural like anyone else, I kept thinking about earth and I needed to focus on heaven. Amen. Which is still my process. Yes. Um because I miss my daughter almost every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: because you were very close. Yes,
1: used to talk to her almost every day. Yeah, and um, that is where my process has been: mm-hmm. is letting go and living every day, knowing that you know we've got to seize every day and every moment. No regrets. Mm-hmm. I want to be that instrument that you're talking about, love. So um, that's where I'm at. Amen and I'm trying to make sure that's what I'm needed to say.
0: Yes, it is. You be what you needed to say because that's what the Lord wanted you to say is that she didn't even have to forgive because she is heavenly minded. Yes. And more concerned for somebody that could have gone to hell. I have no idea. I don't know what the woman's spiritual yes. state is, and neither do you. Yes. But obviously from the condition her heart was in eternity. Yes. And that's what Ecclesiastes 12:13 says that God has planted eternity in man's heart, a divinely implanted sense of purpose. Is that twelve thirteen? Well, it's in Ecclesiastes. Just read the whole book. It's, it, it is there, but I know it's there. It's a divinely implanted sense of purpose that God alone can satisfy. God alone can satisfy. So she could have chosen to spend the rest of her life Hating that woman.
1: Amen. Amen. And angry at God.
0: Yeah, I wasn't going to bring that, that up, but that's very obvious. It's yeah. true. Yes, it's true. There is a pastor in um, yes. Austin at Shoreline Coke. I think it's Laura Coke. I think that's her name. I'm positive it is. And uh, her young, beautiful 16-year-old son, who was an upright, godly young man, fell asleep at the will. No alcohol. He just did and wrapped a tree and died. And in her testimony, she said, it was the first time in my life I ever doubted God loved me. Now, that's honest. So Vita could have said, you know, I've served you, but I'm done because you let me down. But she didn't. And I was with her through the process, so I can tell you (laughs) she didn't. And I, and you cannot be Job's wife and say, curse God and die. What amen. more bad can happen to amen. you? Amen,
1: amen, amen. No, no,
0: no, we don't do that. Amen. Eternity-minded love, love cares about the souls of people.
1: And that's where your power is. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Thank you, Vita. Thank you so amen. much. Amen. I do want to say something. Um, we need to seize every opportunity to be... Light and salt. And I believe everybody here knows Jesus. Um, And if there is something that you're carrying in your heart, the Bible says that we've got to judge ourselves. That's right. And I believe that, yes, and I believe that that's what I would say. We've got to judge ourselves. My first thought came when my daughter went to heaven. I'm standing there in almost disbelief. Mm
0: Cause you never thought that would happen. Yeah. No,
1: I thought, you know, hey, mm-hmm. listen, I've seen miracles. Mm-hmm. You know how they say, why wouldn't he do it? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't he get glory? And she went to heaven. And I said to God, I said, uh, you know something about me that I don't know. But you know what? I'm going to learn to trust you. Amen. So that's been my trial. And don't process. you wear
0: your bracelet? You don't have your bracelet on, do you? I
1: got my bracelet on. No, you. Oh yeah, you yes, do. Trust I do. in God.
0: I know. But what did you have on the other one?
1: Trust God. Trust God. God said, said, you got to learn to trust me. Uh That was what I heard. Learn to trust me. And so for many years, I just, what is trust? Learn to trust. I learned to trust. And then he said, now, since you got trust, now you get in the process Mm -hmm. of trusting. Mm -hmm. So that's where I've been.
0: Or you can say trust love. Amen. God is love. Amen. So we have to trust love. Amen. 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 Praise God. Okay. Thank you so much, Vita. And you know what? She's done with it now. She takes other young women and helps them to trust God. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.